Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching for The Secret Teachings. And if you'd like to listen to all of our past shows and tonight's show after the initial airing, you can find us on any radio or podcast player or application and at www.thesecretteachings.info, our website, which has our full show archive, links to my books that I've written. You can grab a copy of those on the website. And, of course, links to our social media are there as well, www.thesecretteachings.info. Last night I said that it feels like, it seems like, the gates or the walls of reality are closing or collapsing or that our reality is being blended or merged with other realities. Kind of like that TV show Fringe where these different dimensions are coming into contact with one another. And when that happens, one dimension, one timeline gets erased and another one becomes dominant. I also talked about last night how it seems kind of weird and, and, and bizarre how we have so many movies that seem to predict future events. Now, if you take something like The Simpsons, for example, The Simpsons has been around forever. And The Simpsons has done so many shows that they're bound to predict some kind of future event when they're just doing things that are usually contemporary at the time. And the more contemporary things you do, the more art mimics life, the more life mimics art. The Simpsons has a great influence on pop culture, like Family Guy does. So eventually there seems to be a crossover between the two. And when you watch some, let's say, some new movies, you you start to see things in new movies that mimic reality, whether it's about diseases and pandemics, because real life mimics art and art mimics real life. And we look at things that happen after the fact as also kind of being a form of predictive programming or reinforcing the predictive programming. But I think this word gets thrown around too often, of these two words, predictive programming. I don't personally think just because something suggests or implies that XYZ is going to happen in the future, that when that thing actually happens, it's because it was planned and organized And whatever the movie is, whatever the TV show is, was literally predicting the future or they had some kind of, you know, the writers and the producers had some kind of inside access or knowledge. I mean, that's a fantastical thing to believe. I don't doubt that it certainly happens and it's not always a negative or dark thing. I mean, the X-Files, Chris Carter was admittedly influenced by officialdom and reportedly was given a lot of information from government sources to make The X-Files, and there are plenty of other TV shows and movies. We could go through a list of them where there's a similar kind of influence. We also know that if you're going to make a movie, like, for example, Transformers, Transformers used a lot of military equipment, shots of uh, aircraft carriers and things like that, and you have to get approval to do that from the Pentagon. The Pentagon has to sign off on it, uh, or, you know, they have to sign off on the script, or they get to add things to the script We've, we've talked about this before. I went to film school, and we, we actually briefly discussed this in, in, in film school. It's kind of a, a conversation starter and topic we, we threw around. So there's influence from 
the military. There's influence from politics. There's influence from religion. There's influence from all of these things. It doesn't always mean that, you know, when art seems to predict the future, that it's an actual prediction, like a fantastical, mystical thing. Other times, it might be because things are planned. I don't know. It depends, I guess, on the situation. I'm not really interested in proving or disproving one uh, particular case or another. For, for example, last night we talked about the film White Noise, about a train carrying toxic chemicals derailing in a small town in Ohio, and how the town was evacuated. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've read the synopsis and I saw the trailer, the preview. So they have this train derail, small town, and they have the people evacuate in this town. Now, where they filmed it, East Palestine, Ohio, they filmed some of the movie there. They filmed the train wreck for the movie. East Palestine, Ohio, unless you, I don't know, unless you listen to shows like The Secret Teachings, or if you listen to Ground Zero, or if you listen to other similar competitor-type shows, you find that you don't hear much about what is happening right now in that very town. And what is happening right now in that very town is that residents have sort of been without any other place to go, forced to return to East Palestine in real life, because in real life, the movie basically happened. Uh, On the, I, I think I said the fourth last night, that was the article that I had had. Uh, reportedly it was Friday night, so I think it was the 3rd. The 3rd of February, a train carrying toxic chemicals actually did crash. It derailed and caught fire in East Palestine, Ohio. Just like the movie. That sounds like the movie. Yes, it sounds like the movie because that's exactly what happened in the movie. And because of the fires and because of some of the train cars, not all of them, but some of the train cars having very toxic chemicals on board, They decided to evacuate the town because they were afraid of explosions. Authorities were afraid that the chemicals could combust and could explode. And I read this one report that just really baffled me. It is a report from the Associated Press, a guy named Scott Deutsch Deutsch of the Norfolk Southern Railway, which is at the center of all this. And... He said something to the effect of they were they were going to because this is what authorities chose to do. They chose to empty out the remaining train cars and all of these chemicals into a big vat, basically, and then light them on fire, literally. And Scott Deutsch of the Norfolk Southern Railway said that this was to prevent the rail cars from exploding and sending shrapnel and other debris from flying through the neighborhood. And he said, quote, we can't control where that goes. And I'm reading this last night from the AP, and I'm thinking, you can't control where the shrapnel goes. Probably not. You probably can't control where the shrapnel goes. But your solution is therefore to leak the chemicals into kind of like a reservoir and then literally light it on fire as if you can control the wind, as if you can control (laughs) where Mother Nature chooses to take those fumes. But it's really about just cleaning up the problem as quickly as possible, the ramifications that it has on the environment or on the citizens of East Palestine who have been forced 
And by forced, I don't mean at gunpoint. I just mean they don't really have people don't have anywhere else to go. I was thinking of this last night. What would happen if this kind of thing happened where I live? Logically, I would want to go somewhere else, but I, I don't I don't have enough money to go somewhere else and rent a hotel for weeks at a time. You know, even if I'm going to be reimbursed later. So people don't have anywhere to go. They're for, kind of forced to go back. Uh, the, the Japanese government did the same thing with Fukushima. They put these uh, devices at schools and on baseball fields and told people that it was perfectly safe to go back into their homes. And it it obviously wasn't. But the thing is, whether it's in Japan or it's in Ohio, I mean, we're talking potentially generations. Most people define a generation by about 10 to 15 years. We're talking generations before you would feel the effects long-term effects of these chemicals on the surface you get burns on your skin trouble breathing a lot of different kinds of things that are you know the body reacting to being poisoned it's reacting to toxins and it's not COVID-19 so that's a story that doesn't get or hasn't gotten much attention and perhaps that is because there has been more media focus on the unidentified flying objects and that is a great I'd say I say a great example. It's a very it's a tragic example, but it's a great example of how movies in some cases seem to predict future events. I mean, it's not just about a train that derails and they evacuate a town. They actually filmed the train wreck in the town that it actually happened in a few months later. The movie came out in August of 2022, August 31st. I believe that's the day of Hecate. And then this happened on the third into the fourth. So it was like Friday night, the third into the fourth of February. And as I said last night, we have a lot of other similar examples of this. You have a plane, a United Airlines flight that lost an engine in Colorado back in February of 2021. And that was almost 20 years to the day of the movie Donnie Darko coming out January 19th, 2001, 2001. And that movie, of course, the, the famous scene where the engine lands in the room. Uh, in the bedroom. And then, of course, mo- the movie Independence Day, one of my favorite movies of all time, July 3rd, 1996, it comes out, seemed to predict a city-sized UFO appearing over major cities. And then suddenly, one of the biggest cities in the United States, Phoenix, with all the surrounding cities, Phoenix is lit up with the Phoenix lights just a few months later in March, March 13th, 1997. And then I mentioned last night also the unidentified object over Lake Huron, which was described as an octagon. Uh, My friend Greg from Pardon My American pointed this out to me yesterday. I missed this connection. Greg's a really good guy, real smart guy. And Greg pointed out that the octagon shape of this UFO, when they they have have a diagram of it on CNN and other places, it looks like an umbrella, which is interesting because of the umbrella connection to the halftime show and Umbra which is the dark shadow region and Ella, which is it's a German word. It means it's a female name, but it's German derived from a German word that means all. So it's all the female in darkness. It's the black Madonna. I thought that that was brilliant of Greg to point that out to me. Uh, he asked me about it. I didn't I didn't even think about it. But yeah, it kind of looks like an umbrella. But this thing had little strings hanging off of it. And I heard the report last night. Clyde played it on his show on Ground Zero. I heard the report. They said it was kind of small, kind of black, maybe kind of reflective. They couldn't really tell exactly what it was, but it had these strings hanging off of it. And that just, it reminds me uh, of the movie Nope, Jordan Peele's monster UFO movie, where this 
UFO was hiding in the clouds and it had this big string with flags hanging off of it. So again, it's whether it's white noise or it's the United Airlines flight losing the engine or it's Independence Day or it's the movie Nope or it's, you know, Kenneth Arnold seeing flying saucers and saying he they're kind of like uh, they're kind of like saucers that skip on water. And then the news picked it up and said, oh, it's it's uh, definitely flying saucers. And that's what everybody started to see. That's what the military said they found at Roswell. It was a flying saucer. Then it was a balloon. Now we're back to balloons. Then we're back to UA from UAPs to balloons. Or rather, I should say balloons to UAPs. And then from UAPs back to balloons, then to UFOs. And then in the middle of all of this, we're missing one of the biggest, probably environmental disasters of all time in the United States. I was just reading a story last night about, I mean, anybody on the, 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 the river there, not just locally, but anywhere that, that the Ohio River goes, people are, and fish and animals, wildlife are going to be affected uh, by the chemical spill. And it's just kind of like when the EPA years ago, they released all those chemicals from that mine. It was one of the biggest environmental disasters ever. And once again, we call it like either a natural disaster, which it's not a natural disaster. It's a man-made disaster. Uh, or we just ignore it with all of this. We have all this focus on climate change and we got to save the planet and yet, there's like no concern at all over this giant chemical spill that's probably going to give a percentage of the people in this town, at the very least, outside of burns and a really rough time and you know being anxious of what's going to happen. But it's probably going to give a lot of people cancer. And then all the way down, if you just follow the, the, the Ohio River, I mean, anybody who, I think it's like we get like a tenth of our water from the Ohio River, across the country, anybody who's consuming that or who's near that can be affected, of course, by those by those chemicals. And that's just it's like we don't even care. And and the thing is, like, I I used to be a I would say I used to be kind of like a classical environmental liberal. I mean, I was very concerned. I'm still concerned about environmental things. I don't like genetically engineered foods. We could go into that, but we don't have time. I don't believe that we should geoengineer the planet. I believe that we should try to, the best of our ability, live in harmony with the planet. And the people that used to believe that suddenly just don't care. They don't care that the, the, the uh, Ohio River is not that there aren't contaminants in, in, in our water anyway, but it's as if it just doesn't matter. What matters is the you know, climate change. I mean, West Virginia, as I was, I was saying, West Virginia, the state that I went to high school in Morgantown, uh, West Virginia is concerned that there are levels of these chemicals in their water. And in fact, uh, West Virginia governor, Jim justice uh, said that they're they've, det they've detected initially low levels of butyl acrylate that had reached the Ohio river. Uh, and it's, I guess it's getting into the water in West Virginia, according to the national center for Bi biotechnology information, butyl acrylate is a colorless liquid. It's clear. Uh, it has kind of a fruity odor. Uh, you know, they use it to make everything from sealants to paints, etc. And it's, you know, it's probably not the most toxic chemical, but it's still a chemical nonetheless. And just like with the Ohio story, I, I don't know if you, if you heard this, but last night I was, 
Uh, this this happened um, this happened yesterday. I did not talk about it on the show last night, but yesterday I went to Trader Joe's and I was I was getting some uh, some flowers for my fiance, and I was also getting. Uh, that sounds arrogant when people say fiance. My fiance, like Seinfeld. My fiance. I've lost my fiance. I was getting some flowers for Hope, and I was I picked up some fruit at Trader Joe's. And while I'm in Trader Joe's, I was actually talking to my friend Mike D on the phone. And out of nowhere, I heard this emergency alert come across the radio in the store and on my phone. And I said, Mike, I got to call you back. Something's going down. And we, we were actually talking about the train wreck on the phone. And so we got this alert on our phones and it came over the radio. This I'm not making this up. This happened yesterday here in Tucson. And it said this. It said emergency alert hazmat release. Usually when we get these alerts, it's like an amber alert. It says hazmat release between I-10 or on the I-10, the interstate, between Kolb and Rita Road. Individuals within one mile radius should shelter in place. Sheltering in place, turning off heaters, air conditioning units that bring in outside air. Travelers should avoid Interstate 10 and seek alternative route. I have a screenshot of that from my phone, not from the internet. This happened in Tucson yesterday. A truck. They haven't still said they still haven't said why. It might have been because of the wind, but a truck overturned, and it was spilling nitric acid. It was. I mean, it looked like some kind. It looked like a like a giant flare, a ton of red smoke pouring off of this truck into you know across the interstate onto the onto the uh, the landscape there, which is pretty desolate in southern Tucson. Uh, but it's right next to the military base, Motham Davis, down south there. I, I almost actually got a got a place to live down there when I first moved here. But they the interstate was it's already the interstates are already backed up so bad here, but it was backed up for I mean I can't imagine hours last night. Uh, the, according to the Pima County Office of Emergency Management and Tucson Fire, the truck that overturned in the crash spilled a load of nitric acid. They evacuated the University of Arizona Tech Park. Uh, sources told the media that Vail Unified School District canceled all of their after-school programs. And according to local news here in Tucson, I'm, I'm right here in the middle of it, local news, a shelter-in-place warning was in effect for all individuals within a mile radius of the crash. Everyone in the area is advised to turn off heaters, air conditioning units, and other equipment that may bring outside air in. So this happened, a similar thing, not as bad as East Palestine, but a hazmat spill. The crash occurred at 3 p.m. yesterday, Mountain Time, Mountain Standard Time. So we have this chemical spill, hazmat alert. While I'm talking on the phone to my friend Mike about it, uh, what's going on in Ohio, and it's just, again, like n- there's no concern. You know, the transportation department doesn't say or do anything. Um, they're concerned with Equity Day. And they say nothing about or very little to nothing about the crash in Ohio. I mean, just a simple hazmat incident like this in Tucson c- could potentially be an environmental disaster. Burning five trainfuls full of toxic chemicals. There's, there's several different kinds of chemicals. But burning a, 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 I think, five train cars, at least they said five train cars, they emptied and, and lit on fire. They burned them. That is an environmental disaster. That is not just a disaster, but it's caused by man. And here's something that just baffles me. You know that 
Al Gore did that second Inconvenient Truth movie. And he says, this is Tucson, Arizona. Again, where I'm at. This is Tucson, Arizona. This is what we call a rain bomb. And he so shows the rain. And people are like, oh, my God, a rain bomb. You know, because a bomb is scary. It's a bomb. Well, actually, it's not a rain bomb. It's called a monsoon. And it happens. It happens twice, sometimes three times a year here in Tucson. You get the dry season. You get the wet season. It, usually we get two wet seasons. So people don't usually know that unless they've lived in the desert. And I've not lived here my whole life, but I mean, that's, it, it should be common knowledge. It does rain in the desert and it does get wet in the desert and we do get monsoons. It's not climate change. In fact, when I woke up this morning, I've got pictures of this. I put this on Facebook because I, I just, it, it was, it's um, novel. It's a novel thing. It actually snowed last night here in Tucson. And when you listen to the local NOAA broadcast uh, from the top of Mount Lemmon, they have a, a broadcaster up there that sends out like emergency, like a repeated emergency type of a frequency. You know, if you just tune into the radio, you can get all the weather forecast, the local, local uh, weather and stuff like that. You know what it was like 10 years ago. They, they do this, this whole repeating thing. And it's been cooler here in Tucson than it has been in previous years. The summer's been cooler. I know that from personal experience. Also, it snowed in, I think, 2019 in February. So it's been four years, but it snowed. And it's, it's like a dusting. But it, it did snow. It snowed actually quite a bit here last night. So it, they, they tell you that rain in the desert is climate change. Most people don't even think it rains in the desert. It actually snows in the desert. It snowed here last night. Literally, it snowed here last night. When I woke up this morning, I went to take the, the trash out, and there's snow all over the cans. I had a, a sep- I have two sets of cans. I have one outside, one inside the garage. There's snow on the cans. There's snow on the roof. There's snow on the, on the porch wall. There's snow in the little garden we have out back. And like no one cares or no one reports that because that doesn't fit the climate change narrative. The same thing with a train derails in Ohio. They, they burned five train car, train car full uh, loads of toxic chemicals and burn those and then call that an accident. No, that's not an accident. That's a man-made disaster because they're trying to clean it up the cheapest way and the quickest way. Saying we can't control an explosion if it explodes. Well, you can't control where the wind goes either. That's a man-made disaster because they're trying to be cheap and they're trying to be quick and they're trying to not make a fuss about it. In the same way that 52 million birds have been killed, estimated in the last like six months to a year, they say it's because of the avian flu. No, it's not because of the avian flu. It's because... You were worried about the avian flu and you killed 52 million healthy birds. It's part of the reason you've got an egg shortage. 52 million birds killed because of fear. Five train car loads of toxic chemicals burned because they wanted to be quick and they wanted to be cheap. That's an environmental disaster. But instead they tell you Tucson gets rain. It's one of the hottest places in the country. So... It's definitely climate change, even though it's been cooler and it actually snowed last night. And we had a hazmat dump here in Tucson, but nobody seems concerned with that. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. A lot more coming up after this. Don't go anywhere.
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. listening to the secret teachings i'm your host ryan gable there's a little bit of an update on the train derailment in ohio you've probably because you listen to this show i assume listen to other similar broadcasts so you've heard about the different kinds of chemicals that have been spilt into the environment actually it's not so much the train crash the train derailment that is an environmental disaster. It's actually the dumping of five derailed tanker cars into what amounts to a reservoir, into a ditch, and then the igniting of those chemicals in a giant black, gray, white, toxic, chemical mushroom cloud over the small town of East Palestine. And then telling the people they can go back to it. Just like uh, TEPCO and the Japanese government told people, sure, your house right down the road from the reactor is perfectly safe. Nothing to worry about. Just go back. You got chemical burns. Yeah, but that, you know, that's probably not from the mushroom cloud of toxins. It's probably from COVID-19. Might be from RSV. That's why you're having trouble breathing. But I wasn't having trouble until you lit these chemicals on fire. It's not the chemicals. You know, 52 million birds have been killed in the United States 
recently because of fears over the avian flu. The avian flu didn't kill those birds. Humans killed those birds without even testing them. Just killed them because, oh, they might have the avian flu. I mean, that's about as logical as saying, well, you know, because some people argue, well, abortion should be legal in some cases. If you know your baby's going to have Down syndrome, you can just abort it. So if that's the case, then, you know, uh, even though the baby's healthy, well, the baby might get sick, so we should just kill the baby. You know, they might get sick at some point. I might get sick next year, so I should just slit my throat right now. The birds might get sick, so let's just kill them all. But it's also weird that people are concerned about that because we slaughter animals every single day for food and for fun or for sport, and nobody gets concerned. That's the thing that doesn't make, doesn't make any sense about, and I'm, I'm going to try not to go off onto a, a separate rant here, but that's the thing that pisses me off about conservatives and people that like to hunt. I have no issue with that necessarily, but don't act like it's a big deal if the other side of the political aisle is obsessed with viruses and obsessed with particles and wants to slaughter a bunch of animals and some kind of weird sacrifice to an invisible thing under a microscope or, you know, something on a computer, some CG image of a virus, you know, some idea of avian flu. They want to slaughter 52 million birds as some kind of weird sacrifice to their, their God particle. People get mad. Conservatives get really mad about that. Oh, we're sacrificing. We're killing the animals. But then you go hunt just for sport, not even for food. You know, you, you don't check on that animal that you hit with your car. Or you don't check on that bird that hit the window. It's just very hypocritical. Very, very hypocritical. If you're concerned with the 52 million birds that were killed because humans did it, not a virus, you should also be concerned with those kinds of things, regardless if it's about a virus or not. So there's a lot of double standards here that really irritate me. It's also why this show doesn't, uh, doesn't have the, I think, the appeal to more people because if you believe in those contradictory things, I'm going to call those out on the show. And a lot of people don't like that. Doesn't make me special. I'm sure there are plenty of things I'm hypocritical about or have a double standard for. I try not to. Uh, but that's that's one thing that irritates me. But the point is, humans killed those birds, not a virus. Humans shut down, you know, with lockdowns, the, the uh, small businesses and let Walmart stay open. A virus didn't do that. Humans burned five derailed tanker cars full of toxic chemicals because they were afraid they were going to explode. Which, okay, you're afraid they're going to explode. According to Scott Douche, uh, Deutsch, I think is his real name, Deutsch, but Douche, Norfolk Southern Railway, uh, which is at the center of all this, he said, well, we don't want to leave the chemicals there because it could explode and that would send shrapnel and other debris flying through the neighborhood. Oh, you're you're concerned with the residents that your policies and your decisions are sending back into that environment while you're burning this toxic cloud of chemicals. He says we can't control where that goes, the shrapnel. Okay, so evacuate, let it blow up, and then fix fix everything else. I mean, you know, but it's just, it's, I know this is so silly. It's the idea that we can't control the shrapnel, but if we burn five train loads, five, five train car loads full of chemicals, we can control where the wind goes. It's just absolutely ludicrous. And now you just follow the Ohio River and everything along that Ohio River is going to be 
affected. West Virginia is already picking up in their water levels of chemicals and uh, it's just going to continue. But nobody wants to talk about that because it's not climate change. Nobody wants to talk about here in Tucson yesterday. I got this warning on my phone. There was a a truck crash, a big semi truck crash that was spilling nitric acid into the air. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how much they didn't say or how the wreck even occurred. I'm sure there's going to be some some more news on that coming out. But there's just very little information. It's like three sentences. It was an alert on the phone. Big hazmat spill. If you're within a mile radius, stay indoors. Even beyond that mile radius, wherever the wind's blowing, stay indoors. Turn your air conditioner off. That's a real environmental disaster. Real environmental disasters would happen in Ohio. Ethylene glycol monobutyl ether, ethyl uh, hexyl acrylate isobutylene butyl acrylate. That's what West Virginia was finding in their water. I mean, these aren't uh, these aren't good things. These aren't things that you want to inhale or to come into contact with. That's a real environmental disaster. Killing for the two million birds is an environmental disaster. Burning five truck train car full train cars full of chemicals. That's a disaster. Hazmat spills on the interstate here in Tucson. That's an environmental disaster. Not when it rains here in the desert, which is what Al Gore wants you to think. It's an environmental disaster, climate change. It actually snowed last night here in Tucson. I got pictures of it. It snowed here. How many people think it snows in the desert? Does that make the news? Maybe the local news mentions it, but does that make the news? It snowed in Tucson. No, because it doesn't fit the climate change narrative. But hey, when it's the summer solstice here in Tucson, when it's Letha, it's mid-June, and it hits 110. Oh, Tucson's so hot, it's 110 degrees. People can't live there anymore when it's actually cooler than it normally is. So anyway, I want to draw your attention back to what we brought up last night and what we touched on at the beginning of tonight's show. You know, I mentioned the movie White Noise and the train wreck. I mentioned Independence Day and the Phoenix Lights. I mentioned the movie Nope and the Lake Huron UFO. And I also mentioned Donnie Darko and then that plane that lost its engine in in real life. These are a lot of movies that seem to predict real life events. All these movies came out, White Noise, Donnie Darko, Independence Day, and Nope, uh, with the exception of Donnie Darko, just months before their real-life counterparts emerged. In the case of, I mentioned Kenneth Arnold last night with the saucers skipping across water, he said that late June, and then the military said they had flying saucer within like two weeks of what he said, and everybody started seeing flying saucers. So it's like we're manifesting these, these things. So I want to share something else with you. You might remember this back in January, the FAA ordered a pause to all U.S. domestic airline departures between 7.15 a.m. and 8.50 a.m. on Wednesday, January 11th, after an outage of the NOTAM system, the Notice to Air Missions system. NOTAM issues alerts to aviation personnel about a variety of potential hazards. You know, I don't know, maybe... Maybe UFOs, but yes, ranging from closed runways and restricted airspace to the presence of flocks of birds near airports. So the NOTAM system went down for a little over, was it like an hour? 
a little over an hour, hour and a half, somewhere around, but close to two hours, somewhere there. Uh, a preliminary FAA review of the NOTAM outage, quote, determined that contract personnel unintentionally deleted files while working to correct synchronization between the live primary database and a backup database. The NOTAM outage caused the first nationwide shutdown, the first nationwide shutdown of domestic air traffic since September 11th, 2001. 11,000 flights, it's estimated, were affected. So this was in the early morning hours, 7.15 a.m., 8.50 a.m., Wednesday, January 11th, the FAA paused domestic airline departures. Remember on September 11th, though, the White House allowed for the bin Ladens to be flown about the country? The bin Laden family that worked with the Carlisle group and the Bush family, they got special treatment on 9-11 while the rest of us were afraid that the world was going to end. But anyway, this was the first uh, outage uh, caused, uh, or this outage caused the first nationwide shutdown of domestic air traffic since September 11th. You know, we did not talk about this when this happened, but I was just reminded of this because over the last couple of weeks, and again, this was on January 11th, this happened, over the last couple of weeks, there have been a series of plane incidents that are really terrifying and that are really, really disturbing. And although air traffic is, or air travel, air traffic, it's like one of the most safe things that you can in- engage in in terms of travel, like being in the air in a plane, all the flights every day is one of the safest things you, you can use, safest modes of transportation, safer than driving in a car on average. I guess depending on how you break the statistics down, but air travel is relatively safe unless you're flying on like China Airlines and then those planes tend to blow up, run off the runway, explode, uh, you know, on impact with the runway. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not funny, but it's just that's 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 what you get when. Well, that's what you get when you're run by communist trash uh, or you get pilots that are so stressed they just commit suicide and run the plane directly into the ground. That happened recently. You hear about this kind of stuff all the time. Asian airlines are notorious for disasters. This is not something you would think would be happening in the United States of America. But just five days after the incident on January, actually, actually, maybe maybe this was actually sooner. Let me double check to make sure I have my dates right here, because sometimes these articles are incorrect. Let me pull up my. Pull up my little thing here. Okay, so the NOTAM incident that was on January 11th. And then this occurred. Let's see. Yeah, this was on the 13th. This is two days later. Two planes nearly ran into each other at JFK or John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York City. Around 8.45 p.m. local time, a Delta Airlines plane was just taking off when air traffic controllers noticed another aircraft crossing the runway in front of the departing jetliner. That's according to the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, in an official statement to People magazine. Delta's Boeing 737 managed to safely stop just a thousand feet before reaching the point where an American Airlines Boeing 777 had crossed from an adjacent taxiway, according to the F 
AA. So two planes, a Delta Boeing 737 and an American Airlines Boeing 777 almost collided with each other at JFK International Airport. Maybe that is a disaster averted, or like George Carlin said, it's not a near miss, it's a near hit. A collision is a near miss. Look, they nearly missed. Two planes almost crashed into each other at JFK Airport. It could happen, right? It could happen. It's a possibility. Anytime you fly, anytime you get in a car, you could get into a wreck. Even if it's not in the air, you could crash into a plane on the runway, right? So that might just be seen as a one-off, okay? And it's not, you know, it's it, nothing, nobody died, so it, it's, it's not really that big of a story. Even if they crashed into each other, it probably wouldn't be that big of a story. Then, just a few weeks later, this is reported on February 7th, a runway incursion. Incursion means uh, invasion or invading. So, a runway incursion. A cargo plane, those are big planes, and a commercial jet almost collided at Austin Airport in the United States. The date of that potential uh, almost accidental collision was on February 4th after air traffic controllers cleared them to use the same runway. To use the same runway, air traffic controllers said, yeah, uh, go ahead and take off on that runway. Turns out there was a cargo plane on that runway or from the point of view of the cargo plane, there was a commercial jet on that runway and they almost collided with each other. According to the FAA, a FedEx cargo plane was about to land on a runway where a Southwest Airlines flight was taking off when it abruptly changed courses. As per a flight tracking group that analyzed the data radar of the near collision, and that's what it is. They must have heard George Carlin. It's not a near miss. It's a near collision. Showed the F, uh, the, the FedEx plane flying directly over the Southwest jet and at their closest points horizontally, the two craft were less than a thousand feet apart. The outlet stated, which is when you're coming into land, a thousand feet is quick, right? So we're talking fractions of a second to disaster in the grand scheme of things here. And that's two cases, two commercial planes, Delta Airlines and American Airlines almost running into each other on the runway. And then air traffic controllers clearing a runway for a commercial flight, a Southwest flight to take off while a FedEx cargo plane was landing. I mean, this sounds like children are in the control room. It's, it just sounds like chaos, potential disaster. To avoid a collision with the Boeing 737, the FedEx Boeing 767 cargo plane pulled up and canceled landing at the last minute. Good thing the pilots were paying attention. Air traffic control wasn't, apparently. The Southwest flight took off on time while the FedEx plane circled and safely landed 12 minutes later. I mean, imagine that. You're on the runway about to take off and a cargo plane lands on top of you because either people were incompetent, weren't paying attention, didn't get the proper training, working in the air traffic control tower. So that's two. But it gets worse. Five people were injured at LAX. So this is from New York to Austin to LAX. A slow speed collision. This actually was a near miss. 
A slow-speed collision involving a plane and a shuttle bus occurred at Los Angeles International Airport. Five people were injured as a result of the crash, according to officials. A plane literally ran into a bus. How does that even happen? Five people injured after an American Airlines plane crashed into a passenger bus at LAX. That was on Friday the 10th. Cause of the crash is still under investigation. A shuttle bus carrying passengers was hit by an American Airlines plane on a taxiway at Los Angeles International Airport. I mean, you could understand how the pilots might have missed the bus. How does the bus just drive in front of a plane? I mean, it's, I know this isn't a popular word or politically correct. It's like retarded people are running the air traffic control tower. It's like retarded people are running the, the transport system. They're, they're running the buses. They're flying the planes. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, usually you'd hear about these stories like once every, maybe once a year, once every couple years. This is just in the last month. Just in the last month. In the last month, we had a no-tam outage that they say was an accidental deleting of files. Might have been hacking. More on that later. Two planes, Delta Airlines plane, Delta Boeing 737, and an American Airlines Boeing 777 were around roughly less than probably a thousand feet from colliding with each other on the on the ground. Then a cargo plane, a FedEx cargo plane, almost landed on top of a Southwest Airlines flight because air traffic control cleared them to use the same runway. And then another incident where a plane ran into a bus. But there's more. According to the Associated Press, Federal investigators are seeking more information about an incident in which a United Airlines plane dropped to within about 800 feet of the ocean surface after taking off from Hawaii. Recently, we've been talking about, at some point, going to uh, going overseas. Not necessarily, I mean, I guess it's a vacation, but just to, you know, to get around the world one time. And I, I really, I've always wanted to go to Japan, and I was thinking about, you know, having to fly across the ocean, and it's very routine, relatively safe. I, I didn't, I, and I also thought maybe if we're going to go over there, we should make it a big trip, and we should go to Hawaii. When am I going to get to go to Hawaii again? And I, I, I'm, I've been joking around. We've been talking, and I've been joking around and saying, I just don't like. I, like, I don't know if you've ever listened to Phil Hendry, where he has he, he he's interviewing himself. Uh, as these different characters, he's, he's so so funny, so good at it, and he's he interviews these pilots that say just these the most ridiculous things. Like yeah, when we land, we're not actually looking. We don't believe the planes can fly. We let the plane do it. We just close our eyes and let it land. Or, you know things like that, and people get mad and call in. But that that's not in really not in a joking way. But that's kind of how I feel about landing in Hawaii. I just feel like it's gonna like that movie 2012. I feel like the Earth's crust is gonna shift, and I'm gonna prepare to plan uh, or prepare to land in uh, I forget where they were, where they were heading, prepare to land somewhere. And then you're like a thousand miles off course. I just feel like they're going to, they're going to miss the islands. 
I'm a ridiculous person. I'm afraid the plane's going to miss the islands. They're not going to be able to find Hawaii. And then I'm going to I'm going to end up in the ocean. Uh, and I've been I've been talking about that and kind of, you know, snickering about it. We've as we've been discussing, you know, potentially at some point, maybe going to Hawaii or at least we're gonna, probably going to go to Japan at some point. Well, this literally almost happened, except it wasn't even coming into Hawaii. It was taking off from Hawaii. The Boeing 777, which took off from the airport, climbed a few thousand feet and then suddenly, out of nowhere, dropped 1,400 feet. According to data from the tracking service Flight Radar 24, a spokesperson for the National Transportation Safety Board said on Monday that the investigative agency is still seeking information about the December 18th incident, which only recently came to public attention after a report in the Air Current and Aviation Industry publication. So this is a case of negligence, perhaps. This is a case of pilots not being trained enough, perhaps. So they haven't really been that clear on what happened. The plane takes off. They climb several thousand feet. It's a flight from Hawaii to San Francisco. That's a big, long flight. So they get up in the air, and then the plane plummets 1,400 feet and almost crashes into the ocean before the pilots realize, oh, we should, we should probably pull up and not crash into the ocean. Or what did George Carlin said? In the event of a water landing, he's like, hmm, sounds to me mysteriously like crashing into the ocean. How did the pilots just almost crash into the ocean? I mean, you're taking off. And you have to climb in the plane. I'm, I'm not a pilot, but I'm assuming you're not going to fly, you know, across the ocean, you know, with, you know, that close to the water. You get up tens of thousands of feet, right? You're going to San Francisco. This is not a short flight. And you just, the plane just plummets to the water. There wasn't like an emergency distress call, they, they said. So what exactly happened? I mean, that's a, this is a big deal. You got planes almost colliding on the runway. You got planes that are almost being landed on by cargo planes. You got planes running into buses and you got planes that are plummeting to the ocean and nobody really knows what's happening. United said the pilots are getting additional training. Yes, the additional training. Additional training to what? Not crash into the ocean. It's probably because airlines recently in the last year or so have been reducing and eliminating in order to fill pilot shortages. They've been reducing and eliminating hiring requirements. According to Business Insider, U.S. airlines are combating the pilot shortage by raising pay and lowering requirements so pay people that don't know what they're doing more money than the people who do know what they're doing. And don't talk about why there's a pilot shortage, which certainly is in part to firing and getting rid of people who refuse to take vaccines. And because there probably isn't enough outreach to people to encourage people to become pilots. And because of the lower overall standards 
of not only pilots, but of air traffic controllers who are like, yeah, um, on their phone. Uh, yeah, you can use runway uh, A3. That's fine. Let's see what's on Instagram here. Two planes almost collide with each other. Yeah, FedEx, uh, you're uh, you're OK to land on runway C7. I think there's a, a plane taking off there. No, it's we made sure it's clear. Planes running into buses, planes almost running into the ocean. What is happening here? Something big, and at some point, we're going to see something disastrous. And it's going to look like the kind of crap that you see in China, where planes just fall out of the sky. And that also is one of the signs of the apocalypse in the new M. Night Shyamalan movie called Knock at the Cabin. We're going to talk about that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back them. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero. When you're at ground zero and call up to the fall back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I've never been a fan of getting my hands dirty, but not from my father. Always more fun to entice men and women to dirty deeds. Confirms what I've always believed. What do you believe? That all people, if given the right pressures or stimulus, are evil motherfuckers. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. (laughs) So your life is a joke. See, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. These, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. The fire rises. And what's with that stupid grin? Life's been good to me. (laughs) I believe I saw the future. Cataclysm, fire, death. I saw a man. White face. Demonic. He was laughing. What are you doing? Giving her a smile. I saw the politicians, the billionaires, the elite, they all made a deal to work in Yah's service. <laughs> My dad. Exactly. That's when we took the plunge, too. Sold our souls, did the whole black mass thing. The world is a raging cluster. And we need to burn this motherfucker to the ground. Wipe that slate clean and start over. This time, do it right. We need to hear some sins. I need to feel we're making way for him. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Great day to be a Satanist. I believe it and I'm very excited about it. Satanus! There you say. There you say. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! We're not what you think we are. Satanic Temple was an idea between a handful of people directly confronting authority. This makes life fun. I'm very excited about it. The ultimate rebel. The one that wants to work against order. The authority. Well, then everyone loses their minds. <laughs> Introduce a little anarchy. I'm going to of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's fear. This world is a twisted black hole of sin and chaos. And that's why Satanism is the way of the future. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. religion in the world. So we need people like you, bright, eager, the next generation. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. Spread the word of Lucifer, because here's a beautiful secret, babe. Once you embrace that at our core we are degenerate, rotten beings, every last one of us, you'll be free. Chaos is certainly the work of the devil and satanic forces. Those words get used way too often with little meaning and little implication. They're buzzwords. Christians tend to use them because it is the opposite of what they perceive themselves and what they want others to perceive them to be. So anything opposed to Christianity, for example, even just questions of Christianity might be seen as satanic or demonic. Satanism however, is just chaos. When you worship chaos, you create imbalance. Otherwise, demonic qualities or diabolical things 
are actually beneficial. They'll help, they're helpful because they help you as a person to grow. The opposition helps you to like in, you know, weight training or physical therapy. You know, if you ever ran in a pool, the resistance helps to build muscle. The resistance helps you to, to get stronger. You need that resistance. But when you only worship the resistance, the resistance just pushes you fully in another direction and you don't get that balance. So that is what Satanism is. It's, it's, it's a joke. It's laughable. It's chaos. And the people that are laughing at themselves and laughing at others, the people that think it's funny when bad things happen, people that think it's funny to cause chaos, people that think it's funny to destroy beautiful things, whether that's pieces of art or statues or to destroy history or burn books or whatever the case is, or to use the cover of education and libraries to push pornographic, perverted material. Those people are truly, truly evil. Ideologies that take something so potentially dangerous, like flying in a plane. Flying in a plane is a very safe thing, but it's very safe because we have extremely high standards. Now, not every plane that takes off is probably inspected like it should be. Not every plane that takes off and lands successfully was a completely successful flight. There might have been problems while you were in the air. You didn't hear about them, so you didn't panic. But air traffic is usually safer than car traffic, ground traffic. But not anymore. Because we've lowered the standards of flying in planes. We've lowered the standards of air traffic controllers. We've lowered the standards of what it takes to become a pilot. U.S. Airlines have lowered the standards in the last year and change because of a pilot shortage. So what they're doing is paying pilots or potential pilots more money to have less requirements to fly planes. You know, I want my pilot, if I'm in a plane, I want my pilot to have seen like combat. I want my pilot to be thinking, this is, I can do this with, with one hand and an eye closed or both eyes closed. You know, I want my pilot to be used to shrapnel and being used to being shot down. You know, I, I, what I mean by that is I want my pilot to be trained. I don't want to get in the plane where the pilots forget they're flying the plane. I don't want to be on a plane where the pilots are being told by the air traffic controllers who I also want to be trained to use a runway that a cargo plane is landing on or to use a runway another commercial plane is using. But this is happening frequently, all too frequently. It's happening so frequently that, at least perceptually, although that air, air travel is still a very safe thing, it's beginning to feel a lot more dangerous. A lot more dangerous. On the 13th of January, two packed planes almost collided at JFK Airport, a Delta Boeing 737 and an American Airlines Boeing 777. Within 1,000 feet of each other, almost collided with each other, 8.45 p.m. local time at JFK International Airport, New York City. A Delta Airlines plane 
was taking off when air traffic controllers noticed another aircraft crossing the runway in front of the departing jetliner. I mean, the, the pilots really rely on the air traffic controllers. And they sent out a plane on the runway in front of this, uh, this other plane that was taking off. And then the same type of a thing happened. Might have been an equally disastrous event. A cargo plane, a FedEx cargo plane on the 4th of February almost landed literally on top of a Southwest Airlines flight because the cargo plane and the commercial jet were giving, uh, given conflicting information. Air traffic control cleared them to use the same runway. Then at LAX, that was at Austin Airport. At LAX, just a few days later on the 10th, Five people were injured after an American Airlines plane crashed into a passenger shuttle while it was taxiing from the it was taxiing from the runway. Crashed into a bus on a taxiway. And now, although this was literally just reported in the last 48 hours, this is a story from December, but it was just reported by the Air Current uh, Aviation Industry publication, that back in December, a United Airlines plane dropped within about 800 feet of the ocean after taking off from Hawaii. The Boeing 777 dropped more than 1,400 feet before climbing again, according to data from tracking service Flight Radar 24. The plane then continued on to San Francisco. You'd think that maybe they would have turned the plane around and asked for clearance to land, which you might as well just land yourself at this point. They're going to tell you, yeah, you'd land there on that runway. Well, there's like four planes on that runway. Just go ahead and land anyway. It's okay. They decided to fly all the way to San Francisco anyway. So you might be thinking, why did you play that montage about the devil and Satanism and the apocalypse and fire and cataclysm and chaos and destruction? Because these stories about planes are a sign of really bad things to come. They're a really bad omen. And a lot of this began when the NOTAM system went out because of files that were unintentionally deleted. The notice to air missions system went down on January 11th, and it was the first time since 9-11-2001 that there was a nationwide shutdown of domestic air traffic. They said it was it was an accident, a glitch, deleted files. Could have been hacking. They've really tried to make it seem as if hacking was not, not the issue. Cyber attack has been all but ruled out as of a January report on the NOTAM system. So whether it was a cyber attack or it was we accidentally deleted the file, I mean, this just seems... These are like mistakes you would make if you worked at a Target or something, okay? Where you worked at like a Walmart or department store. Where your mistake doesn't result in, say, 300 passengers blowing up. You know, these are mistakes that you make when you work at a gas station. And even then you have to, you know, if you're in control of the pumps and 
you got you to be careful even there. This, this is the kind of stupid stuff that amateurs do or the stupid stuff that people who are hired because of the color of their skin or their gender, you know, the types of diversity hires, affirmative action stuff. This is this is what happens. And that's not my opinion. Last year, U.S. airlines started to raise the pay and lower requirements for new hires. They're starting to hire younger and younger people that don't have any experience and fast-tracking them through programs to get the flights into the air. Southwest Airlines recently has reduced minimum requirements for pilots. Southwest Airlines, Southwest Airlines says recruiting change is aligned with hiring at or above FAA requirements. Well, the FAA used to have very high standards, but when everybody lowers them a little bit, and then these kinds of things start to happen, I can't help but think there is a correlation. Now, I'm not saying that the people who are still being hired are completely incompetent. I mean, obviously, they know how to turn the plane on. They know how to, <laughs> I hope they know how to put the, the wheels up and move the flaps, and they, they know kind of what they're doing. Like, I, I couldn't get up there and fly the plane. I did fly a plane once as a kid. Uh, I was in Civil Air Patrol, but I don't think I could fly a plane like that. But then again, apparently, some of these pilots can't fly them either because the pilots that took off from Hawaii, I mean, there are all kinds of reports. This originally, the story came out in the air current the AP picked it up recently this week. Federal investigators now are probing why this United Airlines flight almost crashed into the ocean and then just continued on to San Francisco. Reportedly, it was a voluntary reporting of the incident. The, the pilots reported it voluntarily, so I guess you give them some credit for that. But after the story has come out, United says that they are retraining their pilots after, and I don't know if this is a new report or if you can trust the New York Post or if it's just like a, one of those ridiculous headlines to get your attention, but the New York Post says United Pilots retrained after the plane nosedived to just 775 feet above the Pacific Ocean. I don't know if it nosedived, and then they kept flying to San Francisco. There were no injuries uh, nosedive might just be a word they use to get clicks on the article, but United Airlines pilots who were in the cockpit when the plane nosedived, that's what they're saying, maybe it did nosedive, after taking off in Hawaii, have been retrained. Well, good. They should be retrained. Only need to learn one thing. Don't crash into the ocean. Aviation experts speculate this is, this is what the aviation experts are saying. Take this or leave it. Aviation experts speculate they, that these men may have, quote, forgotten to program the aircraft's autopilot. So what did they do? They took off, and then they got on their phones. They started jacking off. They started watching a movie. What The pilots just forgot to turn on the autopilot and then realized, oh, that's the ocean. We should pull up. That's a terrifying thing to think about for one plane. The fact that this is the kind of a thing that happens routinely is an absolutely terrifying omen because it means that we are going the way 
of a lot of the rest of the world, where a lot of Asian airlines that disappear, that nosedive because the pilot's going to commit suicide, planes that just explode because the the engineering is subpar. This is common around the world. It's not common in the United States. This is a developed first world nation. We should not have planes almost crashing into each other on a weekly basis. We should not have planes plummeting to the ocean because the pilots were like, oh, we forgot to put on the autopilot. How is that an excuse? And if it is an excuse, and that's really what happened, I don't think retraining the pilots is going to help them to remember to turn the autopilot on. I think those pilots need to be fired. And I think they need to up their standards. We're not dealing with a retail store here where you make a mistake ordering a product and it's no big deal. We're dealing with an industry where if you make a mistake, even if it's an honest accident, hundreds of people could die in an instant. Whether that's pilots or it's air traffic controllers, but they are lowering the standards for all of it. Lower the standards, lower the standards, lower the standards, lower the standards. Why? Well, because of diversity and equity, of course. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter if your pilot can fly. Doesn't matter if your air traffic and controller can even see the runway, let alone the, the radar. What matters is they're working in the tower because they identify as having a penis or a vagina. I mean, that, that is literally what seems to be happening here. This is a man-made problem. It is a man-made omen. So is the train wreck crash derailment in Ohio. Five train cars full of toxic chemicals that were burned instead of being properly cleaned up otherwise because it's cheaper and because it's faster. That is a man-made disaster. 52 million birds have been killed in the United States recently because of fear over the avian flu. 52 million birds because of fear over the avian flu. They weren't sick. They weren't sick. The Smithsonian says that these birds died because of the flu. They, they, they didn't. CBS News says largest avian flu outbreak in U.S. history has killed more than 52 million birds. Actually, the flu didn't kill them. Humans killed them. But then again, the people that get upset about that and want their eggs have no problem with, you know, you hit an animal, don't think about it, don't care about it, hunting for sport. There's a huge double standard, to be fair, to be objective. Huge double standard. But burning those five train car loads of chemicals, that is a man-made disaster. Killing these birds because you're afraid of the flu, that's a disaster. That's man-made. Lowering standards for pilots and air traffic controllers and making it about equity, not about whether you can fly and land this big bird, that's a man-made disaster. And that's a big, bad omen. You see that in a lot of movies. That movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage, one of the signs of the end times, the planes start falling from the sky. Planes start crashing. Now, I've already told you tonight, 
And I told you last night, I observed last night uh, a number of movies that really seem to predict future events. For example, and I'm not saying they're big events always, but no Donnie Darko, the plane engine falls into the bedroom. Almost 20 years to the very day that movie came out in 2001, there was a plane that lost its engine in Colorado, landed on a neighborhood. Plane landed at the Denver airport. Independence Day came out, 1996. And within a few months, we had the Phoenix Lights. And why that's significant is because Independence Day was one of the first big movies, big blockbusters, where you saw a giant UFO the size of a city. And then we have the Phoenix Lights, which are tracked over multiple states. And there it is over, over the city of Phoenix, Arizona. Jordan Peele's Nope movie came out. This UFO hiding in the clouds. Really hard to figure out what it was. It's got these, later in the movie, it has these strings hanging off of it. That's how they they they, they promote, promote the movie. Hiding in the clouds with a string thing hanging off of it with these banners, tapestry, flags. And that's how pilots describe the Lake Huron UFO that was just shot down recently. It's got strings hanging off of it. That's not my opinion. That's what authorities said. Quote, strings hanging off of it just like Jordan Peele's UFO monster. And of course, I've mentioned it many times, the movie White Noise, which was partially filmed in East Palestine, Ohio. And it was about what literally just happened. But that was in August of last year, the movie came out and this train wreck just happened on the 3rd or the night of the 3rd into the 4th of February. Seems like a little bit of predictive programming or it seems like a little bit of magic conjuring things up we see them in movies and then they actually happen in real life because movies mimic reality reality tends to also mimic 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 movies and and art as well and now i want to go ahead and warn you that there might be some spoilers i'm going to talk to you a few minutes here about knock at the cabin if you've not seen knock at the cabin and you're afraid of some spoilers, then you might want to turn the show off now. I'll give you just a second to to think about that. Uh, wasn't the best movie I ever saw, but definitely was better than like The Happening. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And uh, Shyamalan wrote it, of course, and uh, a couple other people uh, with the, uh, the, wrote the screenplay. Uh, Dave Batista is in it, Jonathan Groff and Rupert Grint. Some of those names might sound familiar to you. And uh, I don't think it was uh, was the worst movie I ever saw, but it, you know, there's always that twist in the in the M Night movies. Uh, so it, I guess I I don't I don't want to give anything away, but I'm, I don't I don't want to spoil anything. But if you put it this way, if you've listened to the Secret Teachings before, you're gonna figure out the twist in like the first 20 minutes you might have already figured out the twist just by watching the previews. But I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, what I noticed at the beginning, that that's the twist. So I guess it was okay, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as like, mm, as it could have been because I, I figured out the twist too early. But as I said, if you listen to the secret teachings, you go see knock at the cabin. You'll probably, uh, you'll probably know what is happening at the very beginning. So the premise is very simple of this movie, a very super simple uh, 
literally they call like, you know, TV shows that do a, a whole episode inside of, uh, you know, a house or apartment or something like that. They call that a cabin show where you're just all in one, one scene, one stage. So this is literally, literally like a cabin movie. It's knock at the cabin. The premises is the premises is very, very simple. The premise is just basically a home invasion and, uh, you have a couple of a couple main characters, and then everything else is sort of a background or separate from what is happening in the cap. And you watch much of what's happening around the rest of the the world on a, a TV. And there's a couple cutback uh, flashback scenes. Um, there are the the two uh, two of the main characters are are gay. Uh, you know, I see that every time I see that, I'm like, okay, why, why does it, why does it ha- that have to be the, the point of the movie? But it really actually didn't bother me that much in, in this movie. It wasn't that big of a deal. They, I think, uh, the movie was written well enough where it didn't make it because of the, the gayness per se. I mean, they, they did think they were being targeted because they were gay, but it was done well enough where it wasn't shoved too much in your face, you know, in, in my opinion. So anyway, there's a little girl in the movie and she's on vacation with her two dads and uh, this, this guy uh, named Leonard. And then he's got three other people with him. They, they come up to the cabin and they try to convince this, this couple, these two guys and, and their little daughter, they try to convince them that in order to prevent the apocalypse from killing everybody on the planet, they have to sacrifice one of one of them so they either have to sacrifice their daughter or one of the dads has to has to kill the other one they have to sacrifice themselves to stop the end of the world again a little bit of a spoiler here as the movie proceeds every time they refuse to kill one of themselves or to kill the other person or to sacrifice one of their family one of the four home invaders who represent nurturing or healing or penitence or guidance, one of them kills themselves or is killed, and that brings a judgment upon mankind. Now, most of you probably, again, know kind of the the angle of what the movie is about. There are fires, there are earthquakes, and there are plagues in the movie. Now, each one of these individuals represents one of these judgments. And when they are either killed or they kill themselves, they say a part of humanity has been judged. So obviously we have the, the idea of, of plague, you know, we, we know all about that recently. We have a huge, massive earthquake in Turkey. I don't know if you saw the, the olive grove which was split in half. This giant split in the ground occurred. Uh, that's a recent uh, photograph of some video. Uh, the New York Times, Fox News, CNN, etc. cetera. Uh, New Zealand was actually hit with a 5.7 earthquake today. So a lot of earthquake activity. And that was part of the movie. So plague, earthquake. The final plague of judgment was fire. But there was another judgment it's planes falling out of the sky and it was a uh, one of the the signs of the end times very visually disturbing 
When we come back from break, I'm going to talk with you about those planes and that omen and what these plane accidents or almost accidents kind of suggest with all these earthquakes that are occurring. And of course, the threat and the fear of plagues as well. Humanity might be in the process of being judged. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's the secret teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Knight from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So we've talked about the four horses of the apocalypse many times here on The Secret Teachings. You don't see any social justice warriors trying to make the four horsemen of the apocalypse the four horsewomen of the apocalypse. But nevertheless, the four horsemen, the four horse people, they represent death, famine, war, and conquest. In the new movie Knock at the Cabin by M. Night Shyamalan, They represent nurturing, healing, penitence, and guidance. Sort of a little bit of a twist. Kind of the vices and virtues concept. The four horses of the apocalypse bring death, famine, war, and conquest. But we can associate them not so much with worldly events that men engage in, but more so with the changing of the seasons of nature. So... The red horse is, of course, the summertime. The black horse is the fall and judgment, the lifting of the veil. And the pale horse, which is kind of uh, kind of greenish, greenish pale. That horse is chloros, and this relates to 
chlorophyll. So it's the idea that the changing of the leaves, because they, they don't have as much sunlight and they can't stay green or whatever the color is, so they start to lose their color, they change colors, and then they dry up, they die, and they fall off. So when that happens, that's a sign that winter time is here. That's the pale horse. And then the white horse, like Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad even, and so many others rode a white horse or are symbolized by a white horse, which is a symbol of the sun. This is the springtime when the sun, hopefully, if you live in a place where it gets warm some of the year, the sun brings warmth and light and growth and things like that back to the world. So the four horses really are fire or the red of the summer. It is decay, black of the fall, fall of man, judgment. It is the pale horse, changing of the leaves, death, cold, darkness, winter, hell. And then it is the white horse, which comes about in the springtime and brings light and warmth back to the world, like Jesus or like Mithras or like Amaterasu or any other god or goddess who plays that archetypical part. Four horses and their symbols, their, their identities of death, famine, war, and conquest can likewise be associated with those times of the year. And it's pretty easy to make the association. Death is obviously winter. Famine is the fall. Working backwards here, war is the summer. And conquest is the spring. The reason for that is because conquest is the light conquering the darkness. War in the summertime is because the forces of darkness and light go to battle with each other. And that is when you have a transition of power. The year begins to get cooler and darker. Obviously not right at the summertime, but a changing of the guard in the summer. That's war. Famine, as things start to dry up and get colder, we have the final harvest of the year. And then, of course, death is the winter. So death, famine, war, and conquest are the pale horse, the black horse, the red horse, and the white horse. Now, for those of you who have not seen the movie Knock at the Cabin, you might not want to listen to the remainder of tonight's show because there are some spoilers. But in essence, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie represents the four horses of the apocalypse. At least that's the story that's being told. And each of the horses represents not just death, famine, war, and conquest, but nurturing, healing, penitence, and guidance. So there's a virtuous element to these horses or a, a visually virtuous uh, element to these horses. And I say virtuous, uh, a visually virtuous element because the four horses really are virtuous. I mean, they, they judge mankind. There's judgment. But this is a, a cyclical thing. And these judgments, just like demons that are the demons of lust or the demons of uh, whatever, uh, wrath, etc. They consume those things, and in order to become a a better person, a son of God, a daughter of God, in order to reunite with Source, the idea is you have to be stripped of these these desires that are very worldly. So the demons come to consume them. The demons are actually helping you out. So the horses, the death, the famine, the war, the conquest. We see these as bad things. You know, you see left behind, the end of the world, the guillotines. That's all scary. But we're really just talking about natural cycles. We're really talking about 
the concepts of demons and, and, and the, the horses, they're actually guideposts. Uh, they're actually uh, here to help. So that is interesting in the movie that they are represented as nurturing, as healing, as penitence, as guidance, uh, etc. So each of the characters, the four, four of there's seven main characters, the four uh, main characters that that play these parts, they represent these these different uh, qualities. So the four horses of the apocalypse, death, famine, war, conquest, nurturing, healing, penitence, and guidance, they each bring a plague to the earth, a plague or a disaster or some type of cataclysmic-like event. Every time one of them is killed in the movie. So the whole idea is a family has to sacrifice innocence, you know, sacrifice the pure blood. One of the the fathers of this young girl who play the other three main characters, this little girl and her two, her, uh, two dads, and uh, they have to sacrifice one of them. And if they refuse to, every time that happens, one of the four horses is is killed, and that unleashes a plague. And when this happens, they recite that part of humanity has been judged. They serve as kind of like a sacrificial lamb, and they are vessels for the energies of the horses. Now, at the beginning of this movie, I noticed the colors of their of their shirts. You know, the red, white, yellow, black. And I thought, oh man, this is these have got to be the four horses of the apocalypse. And I was waiting for the twist, waiting for the twist, waiting for the twist. <laughs> and I get to the I get to the end, and that's the twist. I'm like, damn it. I just sat through this whole I thought there was gonna be a, a twist, and I, I already figured out the twist. So if you listen to the secret teachings, you probably will figure out the twist pretty quick too. Obviously, if you're listening right now, you've probably already seen it, or you're choosing to listen anyway. I did warn you three times, four times, maybe five times, there would be some spoilers in this final segment. Anyway, the whole point of the reason I'm bringing this up is because in this movie, probably one of the more disturbing images of the apocalypse is planes falling out of the sky. There is in the trailer a plane that is spinning and falling out of the sky, but in the movie you see this a lot. There are planes that fall out of the sky and they're crashing all over. There's like cutscenes, they're crashing all over these cities big explosions. You can see planes blowing up everywhere. And that made me think this movie came out on the 3rd of February. I believe is the official release date in the United States came out on the 3rd of February. And once again, it's really weird. Just like with Nope, just like with Donnie Darko, just like with Independence Day, just like with the movie White Noise that came out last year. And then the train wreck in the town, they filmed the train wreck in, in the movie occurs and that's in East Palestine, Ohio. Well, this movie came out on, came out on the third, the third of February and it's on the fourth of February, literally the next day, the fourth of February after this movie came out, according to a report out of NDTV. And this is also confirmed by Multiple news sources. This is the one I have. A cargo plane nearly collided with a Southwest Airlines flight in Austin. And then, just a few days later, a plane collided with a bus at LAX. 
And although uh, uh, a plane almost plunged into the ocean back in December, this was just reported on the 12th and 13th. A Boeing 777 dropped 1,400 feet before climbing again. Reportedly, the pilots forgot to turn on the autopilot. Plane, the plane literally dropped out of the sky. And even before those, those events, on the 13th of January, there was the two-plane uh, two incident at JFK that almost they almost collided with each other. So just kind of weird, plus the NOTAM incident on the 11th of January, the notice to air missions glitch or cyber attack or whatever it is, um, they blamed it on unintentionally deleted files. Others are still saying it was a cyber attack. Probably wasn't a cyber attack, but it might have been a cyber attack. Some of these cases, you just have air traffic control effing up. Air traffic control cleared cargo plane to land on the same runway as a Southwest commercial flight. I mean, that is just baffling. It's baffling how this has happening so often. But once again, like all those other movies, knock at the cabin, simplifies the four horses of the apocalypse, death, famine, war, and conquest into the colors of their shirts and to the, the vices, if you will, uh, or in the virtues, if you will, vices, death, famine, war, conquest, virtues of nurse, uh, nursing, like healing, uh, nurturing, penitence, and guidance. And each time the sacrifice is not made in the movie, uh, these two guys and their little daughter, every time they refuse to make the sacrifice, one of these individuals who represents one of the horses are killed, and that unleashes a plague upon humanity. So in the movie, there are plagues, earthquakes, fires, and one other thing that happens. I'll, I'll mention that in a moment. So you have the plague and the earthquake, and you have fire at the very end. And one of the judgments in between is planes falling out of the sky from what is implied to be a cyber attack. So that movie comes out. Okay, that movie comes out. And we've just gotten through three years of, of plague, right? And people are, people are, of course, getting sick in Ohio because of this massive disaster, man-made disaster. We're burn, burning all the chemicals. It's crazy. Five train car loads full of chemicals contaminating the water, the countryside, multiple states, etc. We actually just had a hazmat event here in Tucson. Nobody's reporting on either because they're just trying to quickly and cheaply clean up the mess in Ohio. And it's not because of carbon dioxide, so nobody seems to care. But that is a, a big event that is probably going to make a lot of people sick on top of, well, the last couple of years. So that's, you know, the movie obviously is playing on the, the COVID-19 pandemic with the release of this plague in the movie, One of the Judgments. Another one of the judgments is an earthquake. Earthquake, big earthquakes. And we just saw a massive earthquake in Turkey. A massive earthquake that created a 984-foot-long valley right through an olive grove. That is a disturbing image. If you go online and type in Turkey earthquake, you'll see the image. It's all over the internet today. 
That earthquake was a 7.8. It happened on February 6th. So this movie comes out about plagues, earthquakes, planes falling out of the sky, and the final judgment is fire. It comes out on the 3rd. On the very next day, and then on the 10th, and then on the 13th, you have planes that almost run into each other. You have planes that almost land um, into the ocean, crash into the ocean. You have planes that run into buses. You have this omen of planes that literally fall out of the sky or are crashing into buses or almost crash into each other. And, and, and there's some cases of this going back to January, literally the next day after the movie comes out. And then three days after the movie comes out, a massive, just incomprehensible earthquake in Turkey. And then, of course, the chemical spell, people getting, spill, people getting sick in Ohio and other places. And that, that's just kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, next is fire. If we're going by knock at the cabin. Earthquake, plague, planes, and fire. Right after this movie came out, we get planes, we get earthquakes, we get a lot of sickness, but we're also coming out of a plague, and the next judgment is fire. I'm not saying the movie predicts these things. I'm just saying this is how closely art mimics reality, and reality mimics art. New Zealand was also hit by a 5.7 earthquake, and that earthquake, uh, that was j just uh, reported uh, yesterday evening. There was another uh, 5.6 in Romania, and New Zealand got struck with a 6.1 on the 13th. But, you know, in some places, this is pretty common. This isn't abnormal for there to be earthquakes like this. But it's just weird that once again, a movie comes out, it's about final judgments, the final judgments of mankind, earthquakes, plagues, planes falling out of the sky, and fire. The four horses of the apocalypse, death, famine, war, conquest, nurturing, healing, penitence, guidance. Part of humanity has been judged each time one is killed, and the wrath is poured out on the earth because of the, the innocent not being sacrificed as a, as a, a, a symbol to God. And then right after the movie comes out, you have a massive earthquake you have a huge train derailment and then the intentional burning of those chemicals making people sick you have planes almost crashing into each other crashing into buses and falling out of the sky the report from the 13th about the hawaii flight to san francisco was actually from december but it was literally just reported and then the, of course the final plague would be fire so if you haven't seen this movie it's kind of like these other movies i've mentioned white noise it's kind of like donnie darko it's kind of like nope and it's kind of like independence day in those ways it seems to predict the future these things are always things that are happening though there's always plague and sickness there's always earthquakes there's usually not planes though falling out of the sky uh or crashing into or almost crashing into things or each other. These are man-made disasters, though. The, the, the sickness in Ohio is man-made. 
the the plane issue is man-made. The earthquakes probably aren't man-made. Surprised they don't blame that on climate change. But it just has this flavor or this feel to it. And I'm trying to be objective about this. You know, that's that's what I try to do on The Secret Teaching. I'm trying to be objective. I'm not saying that movies are predicting the future. I'm not saying that M. Night Shyamalan is predicting the future. I'm not, uh, by no means am I saying that. That's preposterous. What I'm saying is there seems to be a correlation between movies and events that happen in real life where the movie comes out in a short time, that movie literally becomes reality. Not because the movie was based on something. It's just an idea, and then it actually happens. And I don't know if that's because we're manifesting these things, if we're creating these things, what is going on. I mean, in some ways, we are creating these things. These airlines are lowering their standards. FAA is lowering their standards, but they're paying people more money with lower standards to do a critical job like air travel. And that's you know one mistake, and that's hundreds of people that die. And these are mistakes that are happening from air traffic controllers to cockpits virtually every week now. And a movie comes out about planes. You know, this movie was written before these incidences started occurring in the U.S. Planes falling out of the sky. One of the judgments of mankind because of a cyber attack. And we have the NOTAM system. And we have all these plane incidents. These things happened way after the movie was written and shot. They were in the distribution and promotional phase of the movie when this stuff started happening. That's kind of weird, don't you think? I think it's kind of weird. I think it's kind of kind of strange, kind of bizarre. I think it's also kind of weird and bizarre that we don't seem to have any concern. There's no environmental concern for the train crash. There's no environmental concern for the hazmat spill that we just had here in Tucson yesterday evening. Why is that? It snowed here last night in Tucson. It rarely ever snows here. It snowed in 2019. I can't, even, I can't even remember the last time it snowed. Last time I saw snow was in New York, but it does not normally snow here in Tucson. Do you think that the mainstream media is reporting that this morning and saying it snowed in Tucson, it is global cooling? No. They'll wait until June 20th, and then they'll tell you that it's 110 degrees in Tucson on the summer solstice. That's climate change. It's a fraud. It's like from the decisions to lower the standards for airlines and air traffic controllers and lower the standards for, we've always had pretty low standards unofficially for cleaning up toxic spills and things like that, but to lower the standards, to try to do things the cheapest and the quickest, and this always causes more problems. It always causes more more, um, potential dangers to the public. These are man-made disasters, largely. Man-made issues. And that's what they're trying to tell us the, the, uh, the, the, the climate change narrative is trying to paint this idea that it's our fault that this is happening. No, it's our fault that we burned those chemicals. It's our fault we killed 52 million birds. It's our fault that planes are almost routinely colliding with each other in a first world, first rate nation. With some of the highest, if not the highest standards for aviation in the world. This should not be happening. But people that put ideology and skin color and gender identity and where they want to stick their penis over safety and over merit and over ability and over responsibility. 
Those people are the embodiment of chaos. They are the embodiment of the pale-faced, laughing joker. They think it's a joke. They think it's funny. They don't care. They care about safety. Don't care about if, if people get hurt or if people die. They're sick. These are the same people that are suing states claiming that they have a right to murder a child. And I'm not just talking about babies. To murder a child as a religious right. You don't. But there are groups that are suing because they think that's a religious right. No, that's a satanic sacrifice because you are inverting life and you are honoring with this sacrificial sacrament death. And that is evil. And just add a D to that, you get the devil. This is, this is very, very dark. Very, very dark. And in fact, I think that this could be really summed up in the last few minutes here by the fact that you know people got really upset over the Sam Smith performance at the Grammys and the FCC got a bunch of complaints over that. I mean, the FCC also got complaints with Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. Beyonce's Super Bowl performance got a bunch of, I think it was like 47 pages of complaints. Uh, the, well, I mean, this one should have the Megan the Stallion, whatever that is, uh, her WAP performance. She got a bunch of uh, FCC. There's Cardi B to FCC complaints. This happens all the time. There's a bunch of FCC complaints against Sam Smith and Kim Petra as well. And that just makes them more money, probably. And that just gets more, brings more attention to it. It just seems strange to me that, not, not that Christians would get upset about that. You know, Christians, they have an agenda. They have a belief. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's, a, it's, it's wrong. But this is what really got me. A controversial company paid $20 million to air two commercials promoting Jesus during the Super Bowl. The ads depict present-day struggles and use them as a metaphor for something Jesus went through to show that, quote, he gets us. People were upset, though, about the advertisements. People were really angry about the advertisements. I, I, mean, I mean, unless you're trying to do it for show, I've never really heard someone who is not a Christian or someone who's not religious get so angry that... Jesus is in a commercial. I mean, I've I've known Satanists, like real Satanists. They're not even necessarily the ones I've known, not necessarily opposed to Jesus or Christianity per se. They don't believe in it. You know, you have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. But usually these people are just like, they just laugh and they think things are funny and they just think symbols are silly and they're going to use them to make people upset. But they're really angry over Jesus commercials telling people to get along at the Super Bowl. Who gets mad about the idea of getting along with your neighbor? People that want chaos, people that want destruction, people that want class and racial and sexual and gender war. They are the embodiment of evil. The people that want those kinds of commercials removed from the TV. Are you, what is wrong with our society, what, what is encouraging this kind of behavior and this kind of thought? You don't have to be a Christian to realize there is an evil. There is a darkness. There is something present. And maybe it's in the, the omen of the plains or in the earthquakes or 
in the train wreck or the hazmat spill here in Tucson. But there is a judgment that is taking place of mankind. And it's a judgment that's always happening. But it's intensified. Because there are plenty of people in your city, in your state, in your government, and big corporations that are actively, and bragging about it, actively engaging in a war against nature, a war against what is good, a war against what is moral, a war against what is dignified and what is ethical, a war against common sense. And they think it's equitable to play around with air travel like it's, you know, Grand Theft Auto. These are either retarded people or people that are so brainwashed, they don't know what day of the week it is. They don't know where they're at. People that are so warped, so warped by indoctrination, which a lot of, a lot of these pilots and people are coming out of just high school, basically, paid a lot of money and don't have to have many requirements to get the job. I don't want tonight's show to be scary, but thinking about all those movies I mentioned and thinking about Knock at the Cabin and the earthquakes and the plane issues, like right after the movie comes out, big earthquakes, more planes almost crashing or stories of planes almost just plummeting to the ocean reported for the first time, even though it happened in December. Big train crash in Ohio. I mean, that, that actually happened on the night of release, the third, the, the day of release, the night of release for Knock at the Cabin was the day of the train crash. There is some form of judgment taking place. Humanity is being judged or has been judged in, in some way, shape, or form. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight to the broadcast. I really appreciate it. RD Gable at yahoo.com, TST radio at protonmail.com. Those are the emails. If you listen to the show for free on one of the radio or podcast players or on our website, it supports us. We get a little bit of income from the advertisements you listen to. If you want to get rid of those ads, however, just subscribe to the archive at thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll get access to the montages like the one you heard tonight, last night, and Monday. The digital copies of my books and a private RSS feed. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Please support the show Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And as always, we will talk to you on the next broadcast. more of the secret teachings if you missed a show or part of a show sign up to the ever-expanding archive at the secret teachings.info when you subscribe for a month or a year you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs you can download and stream unlimited episodes 
and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing Montage Archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself.